She did a great job, didn't she? She is, uh... again, Alex is in college, uh, so she's not here, but uh, very thankful for her, and she did a, a tremendous job, and that shows you uh, a lot of, not all of, what we did from building houses to VBS to taking a day off, going across the lake, jumping in that waterfall, which was a big jump. I mean, like, uh, I was like, look, whoa. Um, anyway, and we had a great time. If you're curious at all about this ministry, if you have not gone, I encourage you to uh, sign up, buy a ticket, Cherry and Cassie, Tuesday, September 27th, 6 o'clock, right where we're sitting. Uh, we'll be eating and hearing more. If you've been before, we really encourage you to go. Uh, we also want to be an open-handed church, a very generous church, and give to Salt and Light Ministry. So this is both informative but also their chief fundraiser to be able to set it up where churches like us can experience uh, God's gifts of creation, God's gift of uh, generosity, God's gift and power of His Holy Spirit uh, that you were able to witness on that video. So that being said, uh, let's say a prayer before we look into God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your power. Thank you for uh, your glory. Uh, your work uh, in us, within these walls, and then in your world. I pray that you would give us a heart to go, uh, but that begins right here in our church, and it goes to our neighbors, and then expands to nations, and it's all about the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, so that may that be our heart. If that is not our heart, I pray your spirit uh, overwhelms us and melts our heart uh, for those in need, uh, those in need of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you would, please turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Uh, that would be the last chapter in Luke. Uh, we're going to be reading some of the, the closing words of Jesus uh, in the gospel of Luke, Luke 24. I'm going to start with verse 44. But before we do that, you know, let me say this. There are a lot of what I call felt needs here. When I say a felt need, I mean, like, we, we feel them, maybe physical, uh, those either in the hospital, loved ones in the hospital, physical pain, uh, it may be emotional pain uh, with brokenness uh, in a relationship, uh, in a marriage, um, with a child. There may be just relational uh, pain and needs between uh, a friend or a family member. So a lot, of, a lot of felt needs uh, that, that I do know and, and the elders here know within our congregation and then extended family as well. However, I want to start today with a question. Because we can all come to church and we can feel the felt needs and then, then we get feeling good. We can be around people and hopefully it's a good worship service or we feel like it's a good worship service. But I want to start with this question and the Lord's put it on my heart. How does... A self-serving life, uh, become a God-obeying, Christ-exalting, and church-going life. How does one move from a self-serving life to a God-obeying, Christ-exalting, church-going life? And I don't mean like literally coming to church. I mean going with the church, okay? Okay. I'm going to keep coming back to that question uh, because I think all of us, and I know I can, be self-serving. How, how does God move us to that point to go as his church 
to the world. Uh, we've been doing a series the last three Sundays, and this, is, this will be the last Sunday. We call it Pillars. Because we're saying there are three pillars of this church. Three pillars. And often, see, we can, we can come with our selfish interests to church. We can come with our own agenda. And I, as I've been thinking about pillars, I, I've asked myself this question. What holds us together? What holds the church together? Uh, if you're a member here or if you feel like this is home... Like, what holds you here? What's the foundation? I think often uh, it can be a shared past. Like, we have past experiences with, with brothers or sisters in Christ or, or others who are not yet in Christ, but that we have a, a past. It can be people. So, loved ones, friends, family, past, people. Or it can be a place. I mean, I don't think we've been at this corner long enough, but... I know talking to family members up in North Mississippi and the church I grew up in, I mean, they have such a connection to a postage stamp of land, um, you know, that that's their their building and and their love for those grounds, that that place. So often what holds together can be a past, can be people, can be a place in the church. I think, and I'm doing a little recap of the last couple weeks because I think it's important for us to know, I think we can come in uh, with our agendas to church. Our agendas often are, um, you know, finding a good set of friends. I mean, which is good. I mean, we want to be family. We highlight that. It can be friends. It can be uh, mission. You can say, well, this is my mission. This is my purpose. I've used the example of, you know, if, if you're good at music or singing, which I'm not, you can come to a place like, well, you know, my call that God gave me is to sing, so I want to be here and sing. Or the mission can be mission. My call is to go. And hey, you put on a good Honduras trip. So hey, I'm going to jump on board there. It can be like your call, your deal, your mission. Or it can even be your church. And to say, you know, look at what God is doing here, uh, which I've said over and over again. Um, I don't, I very rarely said that. And I really hesitate to say that. I don't like to say that because I think God's doing something everywhere. God's doing something in mission and ministry and all the other churches. So he is working in and through us, but, but we like to say, well, you know, I go to this church, and look what God's doing here, and, and that can be our own, like, selfish agenda, our church. Where God's agenda, and we see this in the Bible, God's agenda is always your growth, your growth, through blessings, challenges, good times, bad times, your growth, whatever it is you're going through. God's agenda is for other people who do not know him or do not have a relationship with Christ, or a relationship with a church body. God's agenda is also the world, the world in need. I say we go to neighbors and nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. God's agenda is often very, very different from, from our agenda. And I've said this, my MO for life, and it hasn't always been this way, but my MO right now is with all the time that God has given me, and with the gifts God has given me. And he's at least given me one, because every Christian has at least one gift. But do all I can to Christianize the world. Christianize the world. Now that means, you hear that, you're like, you know, that's kind of like, you know, Bible thumping. Or what it's come to mean for me is to be very, very open, very, very patient. Uh, open the doors of our home to others. Uh, listen more. Say I'm sorry more. Uh, love more. But go more. 
setting the pace for others, getting to my Bible more, praying more, being in a small group for accountability and growth. So I think that's how, you know, we talk about leading others to Christ, very Sunday school kind of cliche. Christianizing the world is, are those things. But it's very, very tough. It's very, very tough. Because we live in a culture where, you know, comfort is a premium. I talked about it last week, you know. Uh, you know, seating, you know, we, we wanted to do recliners, but, we, you know, we couldn't do that. Uh, comfort, uh, consume, you know, it's kind of like you come in, you know, what do you got for me, bro? What do you got, you know, what are you going to say today to help me with those felt needs? Or the felt needs like right here. You know, I quoted a guy who talked about, you know, churches now, you're seeing more, you know, it's, the next thing is like, you know, this massive slide that goes directly to your car. You know, slide down the kids, put a snow cone in hand. You know, man, we had a great time today, mom and dad. is like, wow, you know, they just totally took care, shuttled them right, you know, into our car seat. You know, love that. So we live in this place where, you know, what can you do for me? Am I comfortable? Oh, this is kind of uncomfortable. So it's tough. It's tough. And that's why it's important to say what? What holds us together is a bigger vision that we have for our life, and it's God's agenda. So our pillars, two weeks ago we said, see a big God. Last Sunday, talked about love the other person, the one who is not seen in the shadows. Today we talk about go to the world. And we begin all of those with action verbs. And you're going to hear this over and over again, see, love, go. See, love, go. So we want to be, but it's who God is in Jesus. And we've got to see his love go to us. That question again, how does one go from a self-serving life to a God-obeying, Christ-exalting, church-going life? How does that happen? Because I believe it, it definitely, I know it can happen and I've seen it in the lives of others. So let's go to the Bible, Luke 24, verse 44, and I'm going to read through verse 49. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. I'm going to ask that question again. How can a self-serving life move to be a God-obeying, Christ-exalting, church-going life? We're going to come back to this uh, passage. I want to break it down verse by verse. But before then, I want to tell you a little bit about my life, okay? And I don't like to do this, but I want to to use some pieces of my life as an example from someone who is highly self-serving and still is, okay? So it's, a, it's a, still a daily battle. I would never stand here before you and say, you know, it's done. You know, the work is accomplished. But I have moved to much more Christ-exalting church going. How does that happen? Well, I think first off, you do have to recognize some of the gifts that God gives you. And, you know, even before, 
you know, I was preacher man or pastor man or, you know, church guy or whatever. There were these interests I have. And I think your interests and gifts are really intertwined. I mean, there's, I'm no, you know, psychobabble stuff. But I, I mean, I think there's some truth in that. So I always loved, like, vision and seeing uh, uh, beauty. And I think a lot of us do. Uh, in art, in, uh, in music, uh, in, in pictures, in, in film, in literature. I like to, to see pictures. I'll just call them pictures in, in, our, in our minds. And see beauty, okay, in stories. Always had uh, a real love for other people, particularly the, uh, what do they call it, underprivileged or the underdog or the one kind of left out. I mean, I always really had a heart uh, before even, and some of you know, I didn't like, you know, I didn't have like a semester, a wild semester or a wild year, you know, I had kind of a wild decade, okay? So, and, and Chris had two wild decades. So anyway, so I feel bad. <laughs> Amen, bro. So I get along so well. But even then, I was like, you know, so way, way pre-pastor, you know, I, I, liked, I wanted to help others. I wanted to do some type of service industry. I didn't know, know what. Um, and then I always had a heart for the world. I had a curiosity about you know, nations and places and travel. So, you know, like God, God gives you that. God, God gave me that. And then I was, you know, trying to figure out in my 20s what to do with my life. And I heard this statement, and he was a guy who was a couple years older than me, uh, he had gone to college. He'd done, like, really, really well. And then all of a sudden, everybody heard he'd gone to seminary. And they're like, whoa, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, thinking without saying, you know, couldn't he have done something better with his life? Because he was, like, you know, Hall of Fame and all these things. And here he's going to seminary. And so I asked a buddy of mine who knew him well. I was like, why is dude going to seminary? And my buddy said, you know, he, he said this, uh, this, this statement. I still remember it. And it, God used it. He said, if Christianity is the most important thing in my life, why would I not try to learn as much about it as I could? So this is before this guy was going to be a pastor. I still remember that, and I was thinking, you know, I say Christianity is the most important thing in my life. So if it is, am I, am I like doing what it takes, even if I didn't go to seminary, to, to learn and grow about it? That really convicted me. I was like, if I say Christianity is the most important thing in my life. So that, that statement had a, still has a, a powerful impact on me. And then people, God started bringing people into my life. One was a, uh, I went to Washington, D.C., as some of y'all know, worked up there several years, and you know, didn't continue in that arena. But there was a, a man there who was a past, former pastor. He was a Senate chaplain. His name was Lloyd Ogilvy, Dr. Uh, Lloyd Ogilvy. And God used him because how he used him was, like, he would counsel, he would pastor senators, and then he would make time for little old folks like me on the bottom of the totem pole. And he would make time in his office, and I would come see him, and I was like, you know, I'm having these questions. And he, he started talking about how seminary or uh, divinity school is, is very conducive, like you can, you know, do many things. So God, God used that. And then I did go overseas, and I was in Australia, and God used another pastor, and he made a statement. I'll never forget this. He said, God can do more through you than you can ever do for God. Let me say that again, because some of y'all need to hear it. God can do more through you than you can ever do for God. So God started leading different men who were pastors to speak in my life. Then an event happened, and that event was uh, 9-11, September 11th. I'm going to talk about more of that. Two weeks from today is September 11th, 15th anniversary. You're going to share a bit more. But that event, I, I can't really emphasize like what, and for many of you it's probably the same, but like what a profound impact that, you know, five, I don't know, six guys with box cutters can change the world. And 
it really humbled me and like, you know, what, you know, what is this all about? What am I going to do? Because this is, this is crazy. I still remember that. So that event, God kept using things to push me, to move me from self-serving to more God-centered. Another person came in, my wife, and she wasn't a Christian then. We, we are unapologetic. We did the missionary dating, and we don't recommend it because uh, it brought about, it is, continues to bring about issues that we work through in our own marriage. But I did see a person uh, in her mid to late 20s uh, radically changed by God who went from, you know, kind of nominal agnostic that, uh, you know, all religions kind of equal deal, uh, moved to be uh, a radical believer in Christ, you know, that wanted to serve him with the rest of her life. And I was like, whoa, like, this stuff is, like, really real. Like, this is potent stuff. This is legit. I'd never seen that before. That impacted me. And then... God continued to lead pastors into my life. And where I saw the ministry, or really being a Christian, serving the Lord, is very constricting. Like it const- I thought, man, it constricts my freedom. I talked about this at the beginning of the service. Instead, I started seeing it as captivating. And that it was about joy and about adventure and, and going out into the world and loving on others and listening to others. And even though in our very broken, imperfect selves, you know, God is, is a sending God. So, those were some of the steps in my life. And I say that because there is a process that each of you have, okay? So I want to I shine the light on y'all. And I can't speak for y'all individually, but God's given all of you gifts. And I think it's a gift to see. As I said about my life, I think it's a gift to see beauty. All of us are attracted to beauty and stories and images. And that's God-given. All of us have connections with people. I mean, all of us love People, we may not love everybody. We're like, God calls me to, but I can't, you know. We may not, I mean, I'm not there to love everybody, but we love people. We, we connect with empathy. That's a gift God gives you. And, and we all want a purpose. We kind of all want a mission in life. I, I mean, I've never met someone that didn't say, you know, I, I'm trying to find myself or find my mission, find my purpose. All those things are God-given. And so the key is, for each of you, or all of you, or all of us, is to really begin to see your story wrapped up in Jesus' story. That your story is part of this interwoven, greater story. I say no accidents in Christianity. But there is this plan and purpose and the gifts you're given and the, the feelings even you feel for people and the, the connections made. Like, God has a way and a plan. That even though we can't see the end, but seeing your story wrapped up in Jesus' story. And now let's go back to the Bible, because this is what's key, okay? The question again, how do you go from self-serving life to God-obeying, Christ-exalting, church-going? You've got to get this that we just read. You've got you to get this, this, this stuff. So I want to I break it down. This, this is the most important part of the message. This is the Bible. I'm going to break it down verse by verse. Only a few verses. And we got the time. Verse 44 says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything, I love this, written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. The Psalms. He, he, Jesus references the Psalms. We love the Psalms. Jesus, everything in the Bible points to me. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus. So it really begins in, in seeing different, like the Bible is, you know, it, it is a set of principles, but it's also this one story, and Jesus is, is the central character, the central actor, and everything in it 
You're like, even though I don't understand the prophets, I don't understand the law, it is pointing to Jesus. You got to begin to get that. You got to see that. Then verse 45. Look, I love, I love, well, let me say this. I love like preparing for a sermon and, you know, you've read the Bible and I've read Luke many times. It's one of my favorite gospels. And then you just see something new every time. And, and this week, you know, I've read over this verse, kind of simple verse, but it, you know, it spoke to me in a new way. It says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said, he, he opens your mind, not me, uh, not another teacher, um, not another person. The Holy Spirit opens your mind to understand the scripture. And here's the other deal. You know, we always will say, well, I believe this, but I can't understand this. We need to go back to Luke 24, 45. Uh, faith does not contradict reason. Okay? Luke 24, 45. Jesus opened their minds. Your mind. God gave you a mind to be used. It is much about belief, but faith and reason do not contradict. You believe, then you're like, oh, I see. I see how the law of Moses. I see how the Psalms, see how the prophets, I see how everything is beginning to lead to Jesus. Faith does, hear me, on, hear me on this, faith does contradict emotion. Okay? Now, emotion is a feeling. Feelings are good. God uses love. But here's what I'm talking about. Faith contradicts emotion by, by saying, well, God, you call me to love that person. I really don't want to love that person. That is an emotion there. That is a feeling. And so your faith is over and above that calling you to that. Uh, Lord, you call me to forgiveness. I don't want to forgive them. That's faith over and above your emotion. Sometimes, who says how we feel is the ultimate priority in life? Who says how we feel is, is most important? In a, a biblical worldview, I use that word, in a... In God's, it's not. There, there's something over and above our feelings that can melt our hearts for those that we disagree with or those who criticize us or those who we just think we can't love. Uh, there's something over and above us, and I call it the power of the Holy Spirit, that will bring people together and heal relationships. And, and if you can't go there, then I would, I would challenge you, like, you know, what, what are you looking to? Are you looking to God? Are you looking to His Word? Are you looking to yourself and kind of your wanting to be right and your feelings. Just saying that. Faith doesn't contradict reason. Faith does contradict some of our emotions. Let me go on, verse 46. He says, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. We got to get this. Often we like to focus on the rise from the dead. You know, he rose from the dead, will rise from the dead, eternal life, defeat death, Rah, rah, love it, okay? But it says Christ must suffer. Why do you have to suffer? A penalty had to be paid for our sin, your sin, my sin, our sin. You know, when you say Jesus saves you, what does he save you from? I heard this one time. I don't remember where it was from, but he saves you. Please hear me on this. First, he saves you from the penalty of sin, immediate salvation. That, that's the cross. He saves you from the penalty of your actions. He saves you from the penalty of my Heart. I don't want my thoughts up on that screen. I want to show good videos of Honduras that are like, yeah, joy and good church, but not my heart, okay? That ain't ever going up there. Jesus saved me from the penalty of that. As you grow in him, as you move from self-serving to God-obeying, Christ-exalting church going, 
He'll begin to save you from the power of sin. Sin has a power over us, a hold on us. Sometimes we might say them as addictions or, I don't know, sometimes we might say them as just, you know, this is the way I feel. Again, who says the way you feel is most important? Jesus saves you from the power of sin as you grow in him. And one day, he will save us if we're in him from the very presence of sin. Starts with saving the penalty of sin, so you're saved. But he can save you from the power of sin, ultimately the presence of sin. And we rise to... But then verse 47, he says, Repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Kind of key there. Repentance. Repentance can be a bad word. Like we'll say, well, that means I have to, you know, confess or, you know, that, you know, say, Lord, you know, I, you know, I'm not good or, you know, have the, you know, I suck moment, all that. Uh, somebody said this, I forget, it may have been a guy named Tim Keller, I'm not sure, but he said, repentance without rejoicing leads only to despair. I've always liked that. Repentance without rejoicing leads only to despair. It's not a, a guilt thing, it's a, it's a relieving thing that you can rejoice uh, that God is there and he is listening and that he grants forgiveness, as it says, and we can come to him over and over again. I mean, I think our life should be a life of repentance if we're in Christ. But it also has to be about rejoicing. Repentance should lead to rejoicing. If it doesn't, it's just it's a guilt, it's a burden. And that that should be proclaimed. Like that, that should be proclaimed from, from a place here to all nations. So like I don't know if you if you grasp that or you get that or if like we just come to church to kind of how we feel or, or what can we get or I want to be comfortable but repentance and that you can be forgiven. I mean so many of the burdens, so many of the felt needs come from guilt or shame from our past and we can you know just give it to God, let it go and there can be real rejoicing. And if we, if we don't know that, then I don't think we know the power of Jesus, the power for freedom, as we sang about. But that that should be proclaimed. It's not just for us, that we've got to go out because there are people with burdens. There are people with loads. There's people with guilt. There's people with shame. And we can walk, and sometimes we don't need to, like, just fully, like, proclaim Jesus verbally. We just need to walk in freedom and walk in joy and walk in adventure and walk in, like, I'm secure in Christ. And people will say, what do they have? Like, he, he's totally... You know, he's totally serving others. She's totally loving her, her neighbor. Like, what do they have? And then God opens a door. So no guilt, no shame, freedom in Jesus. And goes to all nations. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. Let me say that. That was for the disciples then. That is for y'all now. Y'all are witnesses of these things. Y'all have said last week, we had baptisms. Wednesday night, we had ba- a baptism. We celebrated baptism. But y'all are witnesses of things in people's lives here. You see this. You see repentance. You see forgiveness. You see restoration. You have seen it in the history of this church over again. You're witnesses of these things. Claim that. Remember that. Remember it's a gift that Jesus has given you. And then there's a promise. He's saying about a promise too. He says, behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. I love this verse, but he says, I'm sending a promise. He said, but stay in the city. Like, for us too, like now, stay in the city 
here. We can go to nations, but stay in the city till you're clothed with power from on high. There's a promise of power. And I don't know if all of y'all get that. A promise of power from, not of this world, on high. Christianity is supernatural. It's a supernatural peace. It's a supernatural joy in the midst of trials. We seek answers and solutions in this world. God is offering us so much better. Something greater in this world, otherworldly. That's power and presence and peace of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it to his followers. So how, let me go back to the question again. How does one go, like seriously, from a self-serving life to a God-obeying, Christ-exalting, church-going life? You got to see this. Well, let me say it in a hopefully clear way. You got to see love go here. Hear me on this. You got to see love go. Because you may just said, oh, I just read that. He went through the verses. No, you saw love go to you. To you. You saw God's plan in Christ. You saw him go to you right there. You're like, no, it's the disciples. No, it's not. It's written for us today. August, what is it, 28th? Today. Seeing God's love go right there to you. If you don't see your life in all that, then it'll just kind of be a story that's nice or a book or like, you know, I still have this physical pain. I still got this emotional wreckage. I still got this broken relationship. I still don't know how my marriage is going to survive this. If you do not see God's love go, and I won't even say that in that passage, then we'll just fall back to self-serving. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to proclaim, plead, like right here, what I believe, this is seeing God's love go to you. And that is, that is what changes your life. This is what changes your life. And then, if you do, if you see God's love go, that's when the heart starts saying, I, I will go for you, God. I will go to the world. I want to close just by offering some opportunities like how we go to the world. I mean, this is not, this sermon is not like a mission sermon or how, you know, I want to say a few of those words, but it's really like you got to see God's love go to you in Jesus Christ. So like how we do that first is go to church. And we say go to the world, the world is right here. Go to church, come to church. There, there is something that happens here, I think, that's supernatural in worship, in the proclaiming of God's word, in the body being together. Go to church. Come to church. And then go with the church. Like it is gathering, but it's scattering. We gather to scatter. We can't just stay scattered. We got to gather. We gather to scatter. And so, so go out. <coughs> I would say this, uh, invite your neighbors to church. That's a very kind of Christianese cliche, but uh, I want to brag on a brother. Uh, also celebrate Brother Ben Jeffcoat turned 40, or turns 40 this week. Ben, though, I, I mentioned, I called him out uh, earlier this month. I don't know where he is. You weren't here that Sunday, Ben. So, okay, there you go. But uh, he is always saying, you know, I want to invite this neighbor to church. I want to invite this neighbor to church. And he has invited several folks to church that have uh, plugged into the life of this family. But he's always saying, you know, I want to, invite that person to church. Thank you, brother. Happy birthday, by the way. Give a shout out. Hey, he's big four O's. Like, thanks, man. I didn't really. Hey, Ben, you're 40. You look 20. You always have, okay? But 
You know, one thing the Lord's pressed on me with my literal neighbors or this community, I don't, I want to love on this community and these streets and these neighbors so much that at a point it's like uh, they can't drive by this church without stopping by. Say it like that. All these folks around here, our, our literal neighbors, I want to love them so much they cannot at some point drive by without stopping by. They're, they're great churches everywhere. God's doing work in great churches. But I want to love them so much at a point they're like, you know, I just keep driving by. I was like, you know, what's, what's going on there? What, what's going on with that brother? I mean, they're so loving. They can't drive by without at a point stopping by. I'd love for you all to have that mentality as well. But then it's not just about here. It is about here, but it's about more than that. And there's so many things that we can do to go to the world I mean, you know, we've talked about Span Elementary School as an example. And this, this school year, we're mentoring kids at Span in math, which I'm no good at, but reading as well, so I'll try to do both. But uh, several folks have signed up, and, I, you know, I would ask this of all of us. If you have not signed up, why have you not? Some of you be like, well, I haven't heard of it. Some of you be like, well, I've, I've got other things going on. That's good. And I'm not trying to guilt you to do this anything. You could take that example and use it for anything. Like, why? Again, question, going from self-serving to God-obeying, Christ-exalting, church-going. So it's kind of like, you know, we have so much time, and God's convicted me of this. So much of my time is wrapped up in in serving myself. And so I'm using this as one way, and I'm not saying you've got to, but like if you don't, if you're not serving, if you're not loving anyone, if you're not caring for anyone, if you're you're not sacrificing your time, what does that say? You're not sacrificing some of your time for someone else. So I'm going to use this as a way to sacrifice some time. There are other means. Uh, Heart of David, you've heard that. Uh, Chris, uh, Teddy, other leaders here uh, that have continued uh, to grow uh, that ministry uh, to serve, uh, love the other person, as I like to say. Uh, people who are um, people who are in the shadows. It's a great way. Uh, friends and family, uh, my wife and others here went to uh, a deal about ovarian cancer uh, this week, and she didn't know I was going to give her a shout-out, but Lori Newcomb. I mean, it's doing things nationally uh, for research and funding. It's really, my wife's telling me about it, it's really amazing. Like, I mean, that's, that's going to the world here. I mean, I'm just trying to offer ways to love our neighbors, because these are our neighbors here in this city. But then we go to nations as well. You saw Honduras. I mentioned Italy. I didn't mention India, but you'll be hearing more about that. You saw a couple weeks ago the pastor and his wife, the family who's planning a church outside Dubai. He's from South Haven. She's from Oxford, planning a church outside Dubai. I haven't told you about it. We have uh, relationships and networks in Bolivia and Malawi that have invited us there. I mean, again, this on our little corner, you know, God's making a global impact. And, you know, if you're interested in going, you know, I've, Throughout the invite to Honduras, but, but any of those things, I mean, we will orchestrate opportunities to go. One of my passions, I love to help people go to see the global church. It's here and it's there. It's gathering and scattering. And it all begins right here again. To go to the world, you really have to see God's love go into your life, into this world. And when you see that, when you grasp that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
there's a heart change. And you don't see Christianity as like constricting and, oh, it's, you know, rules and, oh, you know, you know, can't drink or can't smoke or can't dip or can't, you know, you know, mess around with girls, you know, whatever, you know, all that stuff. I mean, that's constricted. That's a lot of folks, that's how they define Christianity. Instead, it's like God has this plan, this purpose. It's over and above my will, my selfish desires, and it's, it's a plan that's good, and it's a joy and it's adventure. I want us to see, I want people to see Jesus Christ as a life of joy and adventure that begins anytime and never ends right here. So my prayer today as we come to take communion is that we would grasp that, not by me, not by anybody else, the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's personal. Thank you that your love has come to us, and it will never go away. Lord, I pray you continue to convict me, convict us, and change our hearts and move us to a God-obeying, Christ-exalting, and going together as your church into a world in need. In your name we pray, amen.